0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of So What Else? I'm your host, Caitlin. It's been a minute since we've had an interview, and this interview today with Ines Franklin is uh, just really special. I don't really know kind of how else to say it. You'll hear me kind of early on in this interview, uh, open up and share with her a little bit about what's been going on with my mom. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I explain it in the episode. And I just feel like this episode was incredibly timely for what I'm going through. Ines and I get into um, a conversation about suffering and what the Bible says about that. And um, we kind of wrap up the suffering conversation and get into her life story, but then we do circle back to it at the end. Um, And she gives some really beautiful words of wisdom at the very end about suffering. So definitely stick it out through this. Um, And I think you're going to be uh, definitely touched by the conversation about suffering and also touched by her life story that she shares very openly about. She had a very long, hard battle with shame just because of some things that went on in her life. She has experienced incredible life change and transformation. And I know that you are going to be touched by this interview in the same way that I was. So stay tuned. such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for taking time to do this. I know you have so much going on. I appreciate it so much.
1: Thank you. I, um, In particular today, my son called me in a panic. Mom, can you watch over the boys? They're <sighs> 10 and 8. Oh my goodness. They're in another room drawing and <laughs> I have rewards and
0: threats all. On- <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I appreciate you sticking with the interview because I know how that is. My, do you know how many interviews I've done with my kids like out there? And it's just like rewards you don't and It's Like literally like do, yesterday, I wasn't even doing an interview. I was putting my baby down for a nap and I told my older two, I, I'm going to take a minute, like I'm going to be in there rocking her. I'm, please only bother with me if there's an emergency because they were eating and I was nervous, like someone's going to choke. You know what I mean? So yeah, I was like, yeah. only bother yeah. me if there's an emergency. My little one comes in, mom, we need more rice. I was like, not <laughs> an emergency. So then we had a whole talk about what qualifies as an emergency. What is an actual, <laughs> like, I was like, yes,
1: <laughs> we had that discussion yeah. too. We discussed <laughs> like, what requires you to knock? What requires you to just plain
0: open the door and say fire? It, right. Exactly. Like I was like, if you are in danger, if you are hurt, if there's somebody scary here, like I was like, rice, not an emergency. Okay, ladies. So I get it. So <laughs> How old are your daughters? You, it's fine. My oldest one is almost seven that I have a four-year-old and then a six-month-old. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! You're in the midst of it, girl. Yes, yes. we are (laughs) like in the weeds. So I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So I just appreciate you doing this. I just want. Okay, your first name. Do you say Inez or Ines? Ines. Ines.
1: Ines. Yeah, yeah. Think of Iran. Ines. Okay. Iran. Ines. Or I also say inescapable. You know when you say that word inescapable. Ines. I love that that. Help.
0: Yes, that yeah, does There's help. a whole Thank story,
1: you. by the way, I don't want to be difficult. There's a whole story for why I pronounce my name the way I do. And it has to do with, I had a lot of shame about my own past being Puerto Rican and being, um, I experienced discrimination when I moved to mm. New York when I was a little kid, just mm. simply because I was Puerto Rican and that was so painful. I yeah. changed my name to Gigi for many years.
0: Oh, so that
1: nobody would know. Like, I thought I could just change my name and that would hide this. Yeah, and, uh, that nobody would know that I was Latina. And then when I was 23, I um, I kind of got to that place where like, wait a minute, I have to embrace who I am. And mm-hmm. so that I would never go back. I didn't want to say it the way the English tr- pronunciation, Inez. I wanted mm-hmm. to say Inez so it would be clear. I'm a Latina woman and I'm owning it in my heart. I had to own it in my heart. So I love
0: that. I love so it's that. it's more so about much. me.
1: It's more about me. I, people call me Inez and mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot I, I don't even notice it. It's yeah, more about I'm sure. I need to say it a certain way for my own heart so that I
0: don't so that I feel confident that this is who I am. You know? I love that. And <laughs> I I, I think that's, and I love that story. I think that's a really cool story. It's so interesting, right? How we, we really struggle with identities and I know I did.
1: I struggle Mm -hmm. with my identity and uh, a name is such an important part of our identity. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. (laughs) How long were you going by
1: Gigi? So I started going by Gigi when I moved to California. So I was 16. Okay. So I went six years uh, known as Gigi. And it was so funny because I went to high school and Mm -hmm. I didn't speak English. And so the teacher would call for Inez Rivera. Okay. Know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody would look all like, who's that? And like, because all, all they knew me was this Gigi. And I would right. be like, like this, like, then, the t- call raising me Gigi, my hand,
0: yeah. uh, raising
1: my hand, saying, Gigi, I'm here. You know, so it was 16 and I went all the way to 23. And really what happened was I went through my first divorce at 23. And it was so painful because I never expected to go through divorce, especially so quick. I was only married four years. yeah. And that kind of led to a, like a deeper sense of like, who am I? -hmm. Who do I want to be? I'm already Mm -hmm. off on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. And I felt like part of it was trying to own myself. So that's when I changed my name to, I started, I started introducing myself as Inez. And of course people were like, you know, those who knew me as Gigi were so confused. Like what is
0: going on here? Yeah. So confused. Yes. Uh, I love it. That's awesome. So I know that you also have though, like a really, really long given name, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, and that's not uncommon
1: for those of us who are born and raised in Latino countries. Okay. Uh, The the tradition is to have the last names of both your uh, mom and dad. So that means you have four last names. And then you add a middle name to that. And now you've got six names. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then when you get married, you add your spouse's last name. So here's how mine sounds. You want to hear it? Yes. Ines Socorro Rivera Padilla Salas
0: Morales de Franklin. (laughs) So, oh my. So like you would sign that if you were still in Puerto Rico. Is that what you would sign? Like if you're signing something? They don't.
1: Okay. No, they don't. But all the paperwork would have all the names. And, you know, I left when I was 16. So yeah. Yeah. To be frank with you, I don't really know how they deal with it right. today. Uh, but obviously when you get it, when I got my first uh, California ID, they're not going to put all those names. No. So they only put, they only put the one last name. And that's when I learned at minimum in Puerto Rico, they often will sign their two first last names. So in my case, it would be Ines S. Rivera Padilla, two last names. And that's my mother's last name and my father's last name. Um, And then, but the other two last names are more on your birth certificate and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what else, social security, things like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, once I came to the U.S., it's like all the other last names drop, And that's very common for... Latinos who come from other countries, they have to drop all those other names, mm.
0: so, but I it still is, own my whole name. <laughs> yeah. As you should. Cause I think that that's very cool, you know, cause it's listen, like I love my husband happily took his last name, but it does feel sad sometimes that you're like, we're just yes. basically like, forget it. Like, so like your old last name. You just like throw it out. You know what I mean? And now you have a yeah. new last name and that's it. You know, and it's just like, I think that that's beautiful that they keep all the names. And it's just like, because this is part of who you are. It's like, you just add on your family (laughs) story is right there in your name.
1: Yes. And and the irony, the irony for my life and my personal story is that here, I, I, you know, I have all those last names Mm -hmm. and then I get married and I change my name as you do here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, My last name, my first last name was Heyman. Mm -hmm. And then I got divorced and I got remarried. Then my last name was Bond Mm -hmm. and I got divorced and I got remarried. And then my last name was Franklin. And so my goodness, have I had... Oh my goodness.
0: (laughs) I don't even know how... If someone asked me my name, if I were you, I would be (laughs) like hold on. I got to think about it. I don't even know. Even like the other day, (laughs) literally somebody asked me what my baby's name was and I forgot. I literally was like, can you tell? I was like, can you tell that I'm sleep deprived? Uh, like took me a second. So if I I were you and I had that many last names, I would be like, hold on. Let me think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know. I don't think you want to hear all this. You won't be able to keep it in your head. I barely can.
0: (laughs) Well, I love it. That's so beautiful. Well, Ines, thank you just so much for being here. Why? Before we really get in, why don't you introduce yourself to us, other than all of your names, which we now know, but (laughs) you know, who are you? What do you do? Just kind of tell everybody about you.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. So yes, I'm a teaching pastor at Mariner's Church in Southern California. And that means that I teach uh, Sunday services at various locations. I'm not the senior pastor. There's a senior pastor. I'm one of the teachers. And I also write and teach discipleship courses for the church. So I've taught a material on discerning God's will. And most recently, I have one on the image of God, which is publishing uh, later this year as a rooted network uh, mm. discipleship course. So amazing! Uh, that's what I do at Mariners. Uh, and then I also have an online ministry that I've been doing since 2010. Mm -hmm. And that's my heart to disciple uh, through using technology. In my opinion, the internet disciples us in so many ways. Social media disciples us. And I wanted to join fellow Christians who are discipling for Jesus in Mm -hmm. technology. And so that's part of what we do with Trochia. We we help people grow in their faith, um, develop uh, godly and God-centered character mm-hmm. and we want to help people imitate Jesus by loving the way that he does. And so that's part of mm-hmm. what I do online. And that means I do I write blogs, I have a podcast, I I just finished my first book and I'm working on my second book right now and just creating resources for those. Yeah. So that's part of what I do. And then my husband and I own and manage real estate, commercial real estate. So uh there are days, many days Amazing. of the week where I'm simply the CFO and I'm yeah. doing numbers and I'm not creating Anything that's creative, it's all on my left brain yeah. uh, stuff. So I do that as well. And I wow. have nine grandchildren. So nine. I'm oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> married to my dear friend, Jim Franklin. And he and I have a blended family. So he has two daughters. I have two daughters and a son. And so we have five children, wow. nine grandchildren, and one uh, that she's 15 weeks now. Aww. So we'll have our 10th grandchild early next year. So I'm also very busy as a mom and a yeah. nana. Uh, so yeah,
0: it's, like, it's a good, it's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> that's yeah. My goodness. You must stay really busy. Oh, that's so exciting. That's so cool. Uh, that's fun that you'll have 10 grandkids. So on my husband's side of the family, my baby that I just had, she's the 10th. And the last, so it's like nice round number, and then it's like, and everyone's done. So okay, okay. I think we'll have more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this this is my daughter's, my the younger daughter's first baby. Okay, so I think they might have more. Well, God willing, of course. Right, right. So we may end up with a weird number, eleven. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So who knows? I might
0: convince her to go to go to three, so we can have twelve easily divisible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a nice. That's nicer to work with. You know what I mean. The disciples. <laughs> it's all good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Ines, this is so good to get to talk to you because this is okay. This will be a weird way to start an interview, to be honest. But I'm just going to be like so honest with you. Normally, you know, in the weeks leading up to an interview, I am like a complete stalker of the person. Like I read every word that they've ever written and I listen to every interview they've ever done. And um, I have your book right here. And I, the last two weeks have been really, really intense. Like for my family, just to give you like a very short version. My mom has had um, brain cancer for the last two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And she's been doing like remarkably well. Um, And then last week, she was supposed to go in for um, another surgery. And right before they started, they noticed that some of her levels were off. And they discovered that she had um, masses in her abdomen. And they didn't know where they came from. It's been a whole thing. So basically, they stopped the surgery. She was in the hospital for till Saturday. She got out. She's home. But she's honestly like she's very sick it happened very, very fast. She went from being, uh, doing really well to being very sick. And you know, we're, we're not getting like a lot of clear cut answers from doctors and things like that. And so why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this I'm because so sorry. thank you. Um, you know, earlier this week I was like, how am I going to do this interview? Like, I, I'm not going to be able to prepare the way that I want to prepare. How am I going to talk to this person? Like I, I'm, I should just cancel this. Like I can't, I can't do it. So on Monday I was like, I'm just going to email her and say, I'm sorry. Like things are going on. I can't do this interview. And I picked up your book and I was, and I just started like flipping through it. Like people can't see me, but I just kind of like did one of these where you just kind of fan the book open and it's the, your book opened to chapter 12 and the title of that chapter was, The Journey is Mysterious, What to Do with Suffering. I'm crying. And I just felt like, I think God really does want me to talk to her this week. Because, you know, this is a, a time of, of really deep suffering in my family. Watching my mom suffer a lot. I've been with her every day and it's it's been very hard. Yeah. my dad is suffering. We're, you know, it's been very hard. And I just felt so struck by that, that I was like on the verge of canceling this interview. Like I was like, I'm not going to do it. And then I flip open the book and it's like, what to do with suffering? And I was like, that's weird, oh. <laughs> you know? And so,
1: yeah, Oh my gosh.
0: I immediately just like read the chapter and I was like, I'm going to talk to this woman, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so first of all, Thank you for your words in your book. Um, It was encouraging and it was a good reminder. And so something that I really did want to talk to you about is that you talk a lot in that chapter about how we should use times of suffering to ask God to deepen our wisdom. And like, I actually had not heard that before. You know what? Like Mm. I've been a Christian my whole life. And it's like, people say like, we use times of suffering, you know, to draw closer to God, to, you know, we ask for comfort, we rely on him heavily, all of these things that are true. But I had never, I don't think I'd ever really heard someone say, like when you're deeply suffering, like you should ask God to deepen your wisdom. Like it doesn't seem like it connects you know? And so then like reading that chapter, I was just really, really struck by that. And I just feel so anxious to discuss that with you.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for, um, sharing your heart and sharing your story. And, um, I would have been fine if you said, hey, let's reschedule just so know. you know, <laughs> that would not, but, um, I love how God works. I yeah. love how he shows up right when we need him and the way that he, he, He does, which is so unlike anything in this world. And I want to believe that there are people listening who maybe they're going through a really hard time right now as well. And I pray that as you felt seen, Mm -hmm. that they too will feel the Lord is upon them looking Mm -hmm. at their situation. He hasn't left. He hasn't left the scene. He's still walking with them. So that is so comforting. And, you know, this, this was a very important, chapter for my book, mm-hmm. but I intentionally put it further into the book mm-hmm. because I, I want to be so careful with this topic of suffering. Yeah, I, I have suffered in my life, but there are others who have suffered so much more than me mm-hmm. and we suffer in different ways, right? We all have different experiences of suffering. And so in talking about suffering, I wanted to be sure I had some, I would call street cred with my readers that they mm-hmm. would know that that I'm coming at this subject with some information, but I I recognize there's some suffering I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I might be careful to speak about because I might be out of place in what Mm -hmm. things that I say. Mm -hmm. And so, and I love that God put in my heart, the book of James, Mm -hmm. which was really that chapter was what caused me to say what I said. So just for the hearers, it's mm-hmm. not that I came up with something on my own thinking, oh, mm-hmm. it should be wisdom. No, it's yeah. actually, I was so challenged by the words of James yeah, and how he talks about suffering and he specifically calls us to, to seek wisdom in the midst of suffering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the more I read and studied Jane, the more beautiful that truth became mm-hmm. and how it then informs all the other things we need in our time of suffering. So we need comfort and mm-hmm. we need peace in our hearts and we need healing. We need endurance because sometimes the suffering is long and mm-hmm. so, so gritty for so long. And We need uh, the ability to see past it because we can lose hope. Yeah, We need all those things. But James says it begins by seeking God for wisdom is how we get all those other things. And that, Blew my mind too when I wrote Mm -hmm. what I was studying and I couldn't wait to share it. I had a friend, I have a friend who literally as I was writing this chapter was going through trauma after trauma after trauma. Her whole family, it seemed like it was not this person, that person. These things were happening that were Mm -hmm. like, every time something would happen, it was so shocking to them. Yeah, And then it happened to her. She had something happen to her. Mm. and came up with her and her husband. And it was like, she was like, okay, I'm done. I can't Mm. take another event. I can't, I can't handle this much suffering. And I, I, I had her in my heart the whole time I was writing this chapter, like, Mm -hmm. God, what would you want to say to her? Because I don't know what it's like to be in her shoes Mm -hmm. and what I would need at that moment. And uh, yeah, I'm grateful that Not only did God give me something to teach me, but it it helped her. She read it. She was Mm -hmm. so, so grateful. And Mm -hmm. I love that God ministered to you even from
0: that chapter. Absolutely. And I know that you talked about in the book um, that early on in your career in ministry, you were working in a hospital and you would come and like pray with people who were going through a, oftentimes the worst the worst day of their life, you know? Yes. Um, and I just was so struck by how you sh- shared some stories of, you know, like you would be at the bedside of a baby that was like hours old or days old, you know? And sometimes you would see a miracle and yeah. the baby would be saved and would live. And sometimes it would be the opposite, you know? And yeah. you would be there yeah. as people you know, said goodbye for forever Mm -hmm. to their loved one. And I just wonder like, how did that, did that impact your faith at all? Because we'll get to this. We're going to have you share your story in a minute. But, you know, you didn't really come to faith, true deep faith until later. And then seeing these tragedies, like so up close and personal so quickly, did that rock you at all?
1: No, no. Um, and I th- I'm i trying to think of why, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to go there because I, I may not have a good answer, a, a complete answer. I don't mean mm-hmm. good, but a complete answer mm-hmm. as to why. But no, it, it's, I felt like that season was God was using it to reveal to me, me who he was, who he had created me to be mm. and who he was um, developing. Mm. Uh, as a chaplain, I, I became a chaplain for a year. I, I was supposed to be only ten weeks, mm. and I learned so much about myself, who God wanted me to be, about God. Mm-hmm. About there's the, the biggest questions are asked when we are facing death. Yeah, but when it comes to the the death of a child, because I was at a children's hospital, those questions feel like they've been put on a megaphone. Yeah. So our parents, right? Our parents, our children those losses are so they cut so deep Mm -hmm. and um, when it comes to children we we ask questions as to why like why this just seems so unjust totally so when I was in the midst of that I felt like God was showing me this is who I'm making you this is who I'm creating you to be Mm -hmm. this is who I created you to be and this is what I'm creating you to be like you know like Mm -hmm. you already are but I'm also still working on that. Mm. and I was so intrigued by what I was learning. I had to do it again. So I did it another ten weeks and then mm. I did it another ten weeks and I just kept renewing my contract and mm. I did it for a year. I saw the most painful, painful, I'm sure stories, uh, just tragic stories. One little boy really sticks out of my mind. they they were on vacation in California. they were going to Disneyland. they were so excited. they had saved up every penny to go to Disneyland, uh, two years old. Mm. And the family were in Disneyland that first day. And he seemed to have like a little flu or a cold. And, uh, then he started to look a little swollen. Like he was, and they thought the heat, you know, there was Mm -hmm. summertime he was heating up. And then, um, the fever started to kick in. And so they thought he just had the flu and they Mm -hmm. brought him into the hospital, um, thinking he had the flu, but what he had was he had a raging cancer Mm. and within two days he was gone (gasps) and that story of a family coming to experience a beautiful time you know as a family Mm -hmm. just became this horrific tragic tragic story and not only that the family was so divided they were Mm. really struggling the the mother-in-law blamed the mom for mm. certain things. And so they were very divided in the midst of that pain. So it was not just mm. the loss, but then the loss of their family unit at the same time. And so walking with them, um, I needed so much wisdom. I yeah. mean as as a a person who comes into a situation like that, all all I had was the ministry of presence. Yeah. You know, just to be present and that means something to people. I had to learn, like, why is that important? Like, wouldn't you want to be alone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and not have yeah. some stranger in the room. Like, it just in my brain, I had to figure out why do people want a stranger in the room? Yeah, why is that meaningful to them? But it, it, I had, I had to be the strong one, yet quiet one, not, mm. a, not a, not a person pretending to have it together or anything. We just simply be present and not, mm-hmm. not add, not take away. Mm-hmm. Um, simply respond to cues that they would give me if they wanted something from me. And I don't want to paint this picture that it was stoic in the room. It's not that, mm-hmm. but just, just being sitting there, sitting there with them and holding their hand or holding them while they cried or, mm-hmm. or listening as the doctors were explaining news so that they can then process out loud what they heard with someone that mm-hmm. wouldn't be responding. You know, you remember uh, that mom was like, I want to talk to my mother my mother is gone her mother mm-hmm. had passed away years mm-hmm. ago her mother-in-law was angry at her mm-hmm. so I represented those women for yes. her yes I was my presence was those women that she could talk to and yet I she knew that their voice I it wasn't my job to become those women it was my job to let her talk to those women sure. through me mm-hmm. so anyway all that to say that What I learned about God in my journey with God is his presence, Mm. the incredible, powerful gift of his presence that he, so I actually became closer to God through all Mm. that. Mm. Um, You know, but I also saw people do the opposite, right? I saw people get angry with God and that's a, that's a fork in the road that we face when we have deep suffering. I think so too. Yes,
0: absolutely. I think that, yeah, deep suffering is when your faith really is put to the test. And it's hard because there are people I think that experience a lot of suffering. You know, my brother died in an instant 10 years ago and it's like, Mm. you know, and now we're dealing with this with my mom. And yeah, like I'm tempted to be like, give it to someone else, you know? Like we've had <laughs> we enough. Had an allocation. Yeah, yeah, like we're we're good. We hit our quota, like enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah, like it's tempting to look around and to say, well, how come this person has been through all of these horrible things and this person, it's like lost their job. Like that's kind of like the worst thing that's happened Ego to them. trauma. Yeah, that's yeah. their trauma is that they lost their job. You know what I mean? And it's easy to get caught in that and to feel like, than to feel angry with God. Why have you allowed this to happen to us and not spread it around? You know, whatever, you know? And I think that that then kind of harkens back to other things you talked about in your book a lot in that God is a mystery. God is mysterious Mm -hmm. and our faith is mysterious and we won't have all of the answers.
1: Yeah. It's hard to say that, isn't it? But you want... We want the answers. I, I, you know, you remind me, I, I had a mom whose uh, little um, boy grew up with a heart condition and he needed open heart surgery fairly quickly after the baby was born. Mm. And she was so, so angry. She mm. was like, I'm a good mother. This is my fourth child. I'm a good mother. Mm. There are women out there who are aborting their children or mistreating their children. Yeah. Give this baby to one of them. That's what Mm. she was saying to God. Give this baby to one of them. They deserve punishment for what they have done. I don't deserve this. And I loved the honesty. Like, again, this is one of the gifts of being a, a chaplain is that you can you give people space to be really, really honest because mm-hmm. other people might be shocked by what they hear. They might, you know, totally. they start saying things like, don't talk like that, you know? Yes, it's Like you, totally. you need people to express the mm-hmm. ugly thing that's in their heart and, and through me to God, right? Through yeah. me to the God who hears and receives our deepest anger and frustration mm-hmm. with love and grace and patience mm-hmm. and comfort. And yet in his goodness, he will do what is, right even if at the time we don't understand it or it's extremely painful to us Mm -hmm. and a God that knows suffering who has Mm -hmm. been through suffering so he's not oblivious to how painful this is for us Mm -hmm. but he knows suffering and we feel seen by him and so she you know the baby got went through the surgery did really well through the surgery it was obviously a dangerous season for a Mm -hmm. while for for Mm -hmm. this little boy and I came and prayed with her Every time I was in the hospital, I would go see her and pray with her. Mm. And at the end of that season, you know, she was in a different place, but she had that dark, dark, dark moment of, yeah, give this to someone else. I don't want this pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And didn't Jesus
1: do that in the garden? He said, Lord, if this could pass, if you know, this cup would pass. And the answer was no. The answer was no, you know, and obviously I love the Bible because it shows us both the humanity of Jesus Mm -hmm. who would react like we would, can someone else get this, not me, but also the deity of Jesus who said, I choose this, you know, the authority you have, right. He chose to go to the cross. So he both chose to go to the cross, Mm -hmm. but also in his humanity, he understood that the depth of suffering that wants a
0: way out, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (sighs) So much to think about. There's so much there. Thank you so much. Um, let's backtrack a little bit and let's start at the beginning with you because like you've given us little tidbits of your story. And I just think that your story is so fascinating and encouraging and just all the things. So I know that you grew up in Puerto Rico. You were raised by a single mom, right? Yes. Yes. So one of seven children, I was wow. number
1: six of seven. <laughs> oh my goodness! Ugh. And you know, when you're number six, you're not the baby. Nope. I mean, you're like, invisible. right? <laughs> my mom was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You, by then my oldest sisters were really surrogate moms. They yeah. were, especially my oldest, oldest sister. She was, she never had a childhood. She became a mom a, mm-hmm. at a young age. Uh, a, the, you know, my mom's support. And yeah. so they, yeah, so that was hard to grow up, not really being seen because mm-hmm. although my mom, obviously wanted to spend time with all of them. There was just so much time in the day. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have five children now and it's hard. Right. It's hard to keep of track of everyone. Totally. So that was hard. And I grew up in abject poverty. So we mm-hmm. we really struggled with our finances and um, a lot of, you know, in- food insecurity and a lot of insecurity with just our safety and our way of getting around. We didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. There were some basics that we just didn't have. And so that was a hard way to grow up. And yet at the same time, I'm just so grateful because there was a lot of beauty also in the way I was raised. And, and especially I talk about my my abuelita, my grandmother, mm-hmm. who was my spiritual mother mm-hmm. who took it upon herself to uh, take us to church, mm-hmm. to take us to, in, in the Roman Catholic Church's catechism, which is basically your education on, on faith, and, you know, that was her heart. She prayed for us. She prayed for me from what, I'm sure from the time I was little, because she gave me my names, but all the way through her last breath, she died at 99 years and 11 months.
0: Mm.
1: And she died, she prayed for me. She would write me letters telling me she prayed for me. Aww. But I was so um, intent on being the one in my family that was going to escape mm. the poverty, escape. The struggle, escape, mm-hmm. the drama. there was a lot of drama in our mm-hmm. family, alcoholism, there was abuse. There was mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in my family. I wanted to be the one to escape all of that. And so, yeah. as soon as I got old enough to run from all that, I did, mm-hmm. so I was eighteen when I moved out of my house and nineteen when I first got married, um, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna start life on my own. but yeah. you know, I didn't have the wisdom mm-hmm. and at the time at all, and I didn't choose well. And I ended up in an abusive relationship that um, other people had to intervene for mm-hmm. me to get out of. Oh. And so I did. I got divorced uh, four years into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Had a son. Uh, in fact, his birthday was yesterday. He's oh. 39. Wow. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> and, oh. Uh,
1: but, you know, I was so hurt that I got divorced and yeah. I didn't want that. And my abuelita would write me letters because, first of all, I married someone who was not a Christian, even Mm -hmm. though I wasn't a Christian either, Mm -hmm. you know, she was praying for me. He was, in her mind, he was nowhere close to ever being a Christian. I don't Mm -hmm. know. So hopefully she prayed for him. I still pray for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got remarried and had two daughters, Mm -hmm. was married 15 years. And unfortunately I ended up in a second divorce. Mm -hmm. So the last five years of our marriage were really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And um, the end result was that we ended up divorced and I then felt like, okay, I'm the common denominator here. Mm. Something's wrong. I can't, I can't blame, even though I had reasons for Mm -hmm. these divorces and Mm -hmm. you would say, if I shared you with you the details, you would go like, Oh, I I get it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Hey, I'm the common denominator between these two. So something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I decided I didn't want to get married ever again Mm. and that I was done. My yeah. mom was a single mom. I could be a single mom. Yeah. And, but before that got better, it got worse. And my son, who was now, had gone through two divorces, one when he was one years old and he was mm-hmm. doing the every other weekend thing. Right. Now was going through divorce number two. And now mm. every weekend he was going through a different parent. So you can right. imagine how complicated that was for him. Mm-hmm. He went into deep depression and drug addiction. Oh. And he did that for seven years of his life, from 16 to 23, nearly killed himself multiple times Mm -hmm. with the kinds of drugs he was using. So at the time of my second divorce, I was dealing with him and taking him, you know, to various meetings and trying Mm -hmm. to help him um, kind of recalibrate, right, and Mm -hmm. get out of the addiction. And I was so desperate. Yeah. So my boss was so helpful and so kind to me. And we were friends. We'd known each other for a very long time. And we spent a lot of time together. He was going through a difficult time in, with his marriage. Mm. And sure enough, within a year, we ended up in an affair. Mm. And when, when the day that I knew that we were, our relationship had changed, I remember just feeling like, I am such scum. I nice. am... Such a loser, I cannot believe I just keep doing these things. Mm. And that train was already moving forward, and it wasn't stopping. And i, I that's when I hit my deepest um sense of shame at that mm-hmm. time. And where one day he said, he you know we decided to get married. He said, let's go to church." Mm. And so, um I thought, okay, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so bad. Why mm-hmm. not? And so we started, we googled churches. Mm. And every Sunday we went to a different church and we kept thinking no one's going to, I mean, the minute they hear our story, they're going to kick us out. We're living Mm -hmm. together.
0: Mm. You know, he
1: was going through his divorce. So we were in the middle of an affair, Mm -hmm. in a adulterous relationship. And so for sure, they'd kick us out. Mm -hmm. But one day we walked into Mariner's church and the pastor was teaching on the women who met Jesus at the well, Mm. who she had been married multiple times. And at the time she was living with a man who was not her husband. Mm-hmm. And they shared the gospel. I've never heard the gospel before, mm-hmm. and, he, and he shared the gospel. And that's when I decided, okay, we're going to stay here. And we mm-hmm. kept going to church, and I started reading the Bible, and I went on this journey to get to know Jesus and really have a relationship with Him versus mm-hmm. kind of like knowing about Him and yeah, like God's out there. But mm-hmm. there's a whole story in my book about that, which I, I know we don't have all the time in the podcast. But you know, I had this relationship with God, but it was not. It was not really, I didn't know him.
0: Yeah. And I, I started to get to know him from that point. Mm. Can you talk to me a little bit about the shame that you felt? Because like you said, you when the affair started, you, you thought, I'm scum. Yeah. Like, I'm the worst. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Why do I keep doing this? And that was even before you were in a church community. So then, so it's like you had shame, but then you start going to church and- And it got worse. shame got worse. Right, so it's like, you would think, you know, it's like, it's such an interesting thing with church, right? You know what I mean? Because it's like, this should be the place where everybody's welcome. And like, there's no shame. But a lot of times there's like increased shame because you're like, oh my gosh, like all these people are like so great, you know? Talk to me about that. So like, it got worse when you got to church. Like, tell me about that.
1: Well- There's a level of ignorance is bliss in a way, you know, there's this unconscious incompetence that we have when we are sinning, but we don't even know how bad we're sinning Mm -hmm. to when you begin to get to that place where you now have conscious incompetence where, oh gosh, I am doing these things and this Mm -hmm. is not good. This is not right and I'm doing damage to myself. I'm doing damage to others. I could see my son suffering. I obviously saw, uh, you know, my boss's wife and family completely just like, it was a disaster for them. Mm-hmm. So I could see the consequences of my actions. And also I was becoming conscious of my, my problem, you know, mm-hmm. myself. And then when you go to church and you start to read the Bible and you're listening to message, you become even more conscious of like how far, how short you're falling from the perfect goodness of God. And in fact, my pastor used this uh, image of, I live in California and Mm -hmm. just outside of California, there's an Island called Catalina. Mm -hmm. Really don't know how far it is, but let's say it's far enough that you can't jump from (laughs) Southern California to Catalina. (laughs) And he said, you know, trying to fix your relationship with God is akin to trying to jump from Southern California to Catalina mm. and how far you think you're going to get on your own goodness. So he's like, okay, yeah. how far do you think mother Teresa is going to get, you know, mm-hmm. like, do you think she'll get to jump from Southern California to Catalina? And it's like, and she's better than you. So you're not mm-hmm. even going to make it off the edge. Right. So I rem- that became even more clear to me, like how the shame got bigger because my conviction, the conviction sure. for my sin grew. That's healthy. It's healthy for me to know, hey, something has to change. I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. That's good conviction, which does grow. But it also grows with unhealthy shame, which is the shame that says, where again, I was calling myself scum before I even had a sense of God. Mm. But then all of a sudden I have this understanding, starting to learn who God is and Mm -hmm. seeing the delta between God and me and mm-hmm. the goodness of Jesus and me, and recognizing that, oh, I'm not redeemable. i mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm beyond in the spectrum of God. There is no way I can, I can be redeemed from this. Mm-hmm. God couldn't possibly want to use a woman like me. Like mm-hmm. that would just be wrong. How mm-hmm. could I succeed? How could I thrive? That would be unjust to the people I've hurt. And mm-hmm. a good God wouldn't do that. You mm-hmm. know, so I had that kind of shame s- set up And then you've got people, people are people, we, God forgives, but we struggle to forgive. We struggle to, we struggle not to judge one another. And so Mm -hmm. you have people themselves who, and at that point, I was not as worried about what people were saying. I was more worried about what God was thinking of me. Mm -hmm. But no question, I also had the people aspect. Like when we went to different churches, we were worried about people saying, get out of here, you're terrible. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, both matter and both caused me to be in a season of shame for a long, long time after I became a believer. Even Mm -hmm. though I became a believer and I accepted grace, there was this part of me, this sort of mental formula I had was, God, you're probably happy that you kept me from doing worse things, Mm -hmm. but all the things I've done in my past are so bad that you know, there's not a whole lot you can do with me. You just you save me and you're gonna put me in a corner somewhere because at least you you kept me from hurting more people. Mm-hmm. Um that was not my theology for quite a while, I would mm-hmm. say. Embarrassingly so, I would say. And it took my pastor to really like challenge us. By then Jim and I got married
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we were serving in the church and mm-hmm. we were doing lots of things, but with under this cloud of shame. Mm-hmm. And one day he's on the airport. We were in Peru. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget. We're walking on the airport and he stopped me on the walk and said, you know what? You don't believe in grace.
0: Mm. I'm convinced
1: you don't believe in grace. And I was like, of course I believe in grace. I know Jesus died for my sin. He goes, Mm -hmm. no, you don't understand grace. Um, Mm -hmm. It isn't just for your past. It's for your present and for your future. Mm. And, um, you need to think about grace and put more energy into it. So, and I did. And then -hmm. then later we went on a trip to Israel. I talk about that in my book where Mm -hmm. just like Peter had to leave behind his shame, the Mm -hmm. pastor, and this might be a practical thing for those who are listening. If they're Mm -hmm. struggling with shame, he gave us this very practical act of taking a rock from the Sea of Galilee, uh, where Peter met Jesus and throw it out into the Sea of Galilee and say, that's going to be the thing that I need to leave here and now go follow Jesus and do what he's calling me to do. And so for Jim and I, we had to leave behind shame. And Mm -hmm. so we were looking for the biggest rock possible because, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have big shame. We needed a big rock, but there's no big rock. So we threw little rocks, but with that little rock went a massive load of shame. Mm -hmm. And that became for us a picture that anytime the enemy wants to go back and say, well, you know, I know Mm -hmm. what you've done or this is who you are. I can go back and say, yes, I am a broken woman. Yes, I have a sinful heart still in development and transition as Jesus is transforming me into his image. But I am redeemed. And Jesus said, I will not lose a single one of mine. Mm. And so therefore you have no claim on me. And I have to remind the enemy of that and remind myself of that Mm -hmm. so that I don't live in that shame. Conviction for the things I do. Sure, that teaches me to do better, mm-hmm. but not shame that says I'm scum. I'm not scum. Mm-hmm. I was created in the image of God. I'm a child of God, created on purpose, for a purpose, for good works that he has planned for me. And I get to glorify his name through mm-hmm. everything that I do, including telling my story. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I where I live now, but it took me years, yeah. years. So I don't want it to sound like I became a Christian and boom, I was out of it. I've been a Mm -hmm. Christian
0: now 20 years and Mm -hmm. a good third of my journey was in shame. Mm. That's so interesting. I love how you kind of like differentiated that, like that conviction is good, right? You know, but it's funny because I think if we hold on to shame, we think it's kind of like humility. Like it's like, well, I'm keeping myself humble, like, you know, because like, obviously like I've done like bad stuff. But really, it's almost prideful, like Pride. in a way, you yes. know, to hold on to the yeah. shame because you're saying that like God's grace isn't good enough for you. Right. Really. Yeah. Like in his forgiveness We're really saying, doesn't Jesus, matter.
1: Yeah. Jesus, you didn't do enough on the cross. I have yeah. to do my own penance on top of what you did because what you did was not enough. It, it, the same thing with when I called myself scum or other things. I won't say on the podcast, yeah. When I call myself these other words, I was, I'm spitting upon the creation that God made. And am I am I a fallen woman? Yes. But mm-hmm. I I am redeemable because God cares about his creation. He loves his creation enough to send his son mm-hmm. uh, that he would give his life for our freedom from the bondage of sin. And that's how much God loves me. Why would I? speak poorly about something he created, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to learn those things. Those are the things I had to learn along mm-hmm. the journey of faith. Yeah.
0: Still learning. I don't, mm-hmm. don't think I've arrived, but yeah. I love that in your story, um, you do have some certain like like, lamppost-type moments, like, where it's, like, this was a big moment for me. Like, when I went to this church and I heard the story of the woman at the well, and then, like, this was a big moment for me, like, when we threw the rocks. But, and so, like, those are big moments where, like, huge change did occur, and, like, it changed things for you. But you're also really clear about it's not, like, a light switch type of thing where it's, like, your life is like this, and now it's going in the opposite direction. Like, it's a slow change. Indeed. Indeed. Those moments in my
1: mind are markers Yeah, that remind me that God is intent on fixing that. You know, that there is a, God is at work in my life. He's mm-hmm. present and that he is intentionally trying to make me more and more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they just remind me that that's the path I'm on, that I'm not, I'm not, I'm in a path of transformation mm-hmm. and they help me have hope for that because sometimes I know I felt this in the past where I feel like, why am I not over this already? You know, mm-hmm. why isn't this over Totally. And, and that, that that thinking that somehow, okay, because I had this moment now it's gone.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I don't, I mean, I do believe that can happen. Don't, don't get me wrong. God can do whatever he wants. Yes. But I have a pretty stubborn heart. My goodness. I was not a Christian until I was 40. Right. So I personally have a prideful and stubborn heart that mm, It just takes more time for God Mm -hmm. to get to me um, Mm -hmm. and for it to be really changed. A lot of embedded things in me Mm -hmm. that have to be rewired. Mm -hmm. And so that takes time. And and it's in that time and the way that God works that I see his hand even more powerfully because I see his presence long term. I mean, how often are we like a friend is suffering and we're like, we want to go and help them. I'll cook you meals. I'll do your laundry. And like week two, you're like, okay, can we get back to life? Totally. (laughs) Move on totally. You know, can you be okay now? Because like, I got my life to go back to. Yeah. We think God does the same thing. God doesn't do that. He sticks with us
0: a long time and Mm -hmm. through all the different processes. Yeah. So good to know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you kind of started to say this before, but then you were like, I know we don't have a lot of time, you know, so, and I appreciate you being sensitive of time, but I did want to just circle back to that. Like you know, you've said like for your first 40 years, like your grandmother like prayed for you and talked to you about God. And it wasn't like you didn't grow up like in a spiritually, like like in a spiritual vacuum where there was no, no. you know what I mean? Like there wasn't like yeah. no God in your life. But obviously, right. like you said, like it, he wasn't really like real to you. Right. right. Can you... Just go back and give a little bit more about that transformation for you, like about how like he became real to you. So when I got deep in
1: my suffering and by the way, something I did not share, in addition to being divorced twice, which of course I did not want to experience ever, let alone Mm -hmm. twice, I didn't want to be... A divorced woman like my mother.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't want to go through multiple divorces in, at the time that I saw other people go through. I didn't want any of that. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't ever expect that I would have an affair. Mm-hmm. And But two things I forgot to mention that are really important to how God has transformed me is that when I was 18, when I was dating the first man I married, I got pregnant. And oh. he was like, "We've got it. No, this is not going to happen. We can't have a baby." And so we had an abortion, mm-hmm. and then we got divorced. And I was dating the man that I married that I had two children, and I got pregnant again. Obviously, we were having sex before marriage, mm-hmm. and the I wasn't really sure that I wanted to marry him. So I had already aborted one child. I thought it's no big deal. It's just a cell. It's not really a baby. And I got a, I had another abortion, mm-hmm. and so. I had that too, the shame of the, which are to me, of all the things that I've done, it's the the source of deepest sadness Mm -hmm. because I love children. I love Mm -hmm. my grandchildren. And I now know that this wasn't just a clump of cells, that Mm -hmm. these were children. And those thoughts plague my heart Mm -hmm. all the time in my mind. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty painful, but- what was happening as these things were occurring was I had a combination of anger towards God mm-hmm. and frustration with God and also understanding that God was out there somewhere. So at least I wasn't alone. So mm-hmm. I had, this is what I kind of grew up with. Mm-hmm. In In my book, I share the story of being very young and actually hearing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. But what I heard from God was three statements, which was, you must endure. I have a purpose and I will be with you. Mm-hmm. and I didn't like the first one. You must mm-hmm. endure. Right. And I did have to endure a lot of things. So I was angry at God for that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what purpose could he possibly have that's good because nothing in my life was showing that at all. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I will be with you. I knew God was watching me all the time. So therefore, I felt like he was like this overpowering parent who was, you know, making sure, you know, that. and every time I messed up, he'd like, up oh, there you go again. So mm-hmm. I had that picture of God. It wasn't until... I started reading the Bible and uh, I started reading the Bible about six months after we started going to Mariner's church Mm -hmm. that I started to see the heart of God Mm -hmm. and his heart and desire. I was started in the old Testament and seeing Mm -hmm. him creating a nation and wanting a nation to be blessed, to be a blessing. And, they behaving so poorly, and he was so patient with them. And he eventually, he had to punish them, but it took years mm-hmm. for them to get punished. And then, as soon as they cried out, he forgave them and brought mm-hmm. them back, and he saved them. And I saw this heart of God that mm-hmm. was so different than the God I had created in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think that was the the shift that started to happen for me. Yeah. And it took me until September to get to the New Testament because mm-hmm. I started in Genesis. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to then see the heart of God expressed in the person of Jesus yeah, and his presence here with us. That took time as well. And then I got to see that side of God, you know, the, yeah. the, the present, not just present out there, which is the only God I knew, but present physically close um, yeah. and then sacrificially mm-hmm. close. That took me time to learn.
0: Yeah. That's so beautiful. I feel like your story is incredible in the sense that I'm sure there's people listening to this who can identify with different aspects of it. I think that none of us are strangers to shame, suffering, any of that. And uh, this is just, this has been a big encouragement to me, and I'm sure it'll be a huge encouragement to so many. Um, Your book, Uncharted, you can get it anywhere. Amazon, all the places. We'll link it that yes. in the show notes and all of that stuff. Uh, where else can people find you and hear from you uh, if they've just like, if they want to dig in even further?
1: Sure. Um, the easiest is to just go to inesfranklin.com. Awesome. And there you get access through to our courses and always, anything else that I do, the podcast, all those other things. So I would love to connect with, and I've, I've had, you know, when I've done these podcasts, there's people who have resonated with part of my story and mm-hmm. they they have reached out to me saying, man, that will help me in this way or mm-hmm. another. And it's super encouraging. I'm sure yes. it's encouraging to you as well as a mm-hmm. podcast host, as I yeah. have my own podcast. Mm-hmm. So often we do these things and we're, we're not really here and we don't know. And yeah. it's very encouraging when we hear people share or ask questions and so yeah so in, in any way i can be a support and service to others i'm i'm available but That's i want to i want to circle back if we could real quick before we yeah. close back to james and this idea of wisdom in the yeah. midst of suffering and the reason i think we might want to go by just for a short time is that we think of wisdom as like how to what to do Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in your circumstance, right? Your mom going through what she's going through, the losses you've had in the past. And we often think of wisdom like, if I'm suffering, go to God so he'll tell me what to do. Yeah, But James talks about wisdom in the midst of suffering as God will help us how to see the situation in a different way. Mm. So... I hope everything we've talked about today kind of falls on this category, which is a reframing of the mind, renewing our mind, as Paul says in Romans 12.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's
1: it's a getting to see our circumstances through the eyes of God mm-hmm. instead of through our own mindset or even the mindset of others. Mm-hmm. And so when James says, go to God so that you can see your suffering in a different way, see it the way God sees it mm-hmm. and not that we're going to know exactly what God is thinking at the time, but we're he's going to give us eyes to see things that we would not otherwise understand mm-hmm. if we, we had not sought to, for him to give us a heavenly mindset over mm-hmm. our circumstance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in closing for you as you navigate this really deep storm that you're mm-hmm. in the middle of, mm-hmm. I, I just remember Peter sinking in the middle of it mm-hmm. and Jesus being right there close in um, this picture of fixing our eyes on Jesus, meaning, mm-hmm. look to me, I will give you what you need even here yeah uh, you're not going to get it from anything else you're going to get it from me mm-hmm. and because I'm above it all, I can see it all, I see past your circumstance. look to me. So mm-hmm. my prayer for you in all of this um, yeah is that the Lord will give you his wisdom, his, his eyesight mm-hmm even his heart for all that's happening.
0: Uh, yeah, and I'll be praying for you and your mom.
1: Thank you so much, and Ines. Family. That means a lot.
0: Thank you. That means so much, truly. And like I said, I think that God arranged for us to have this talk this week. So I just thank you so much for being willing to chat with me and take this time. And I know you have grandkids at your house and they do Who knows so what good. they're doing. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, you're still, you're fine. No one knocked. So let's just... <laughs> pray that nothing is broken in the other room. <laughs> That's right. Nothing we can't fix. It's not okay. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ines. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.